0: Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic ministers today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Today we have a guest speaker, Sister Mandy Brown, from the Quad Cities, Illinois, where her and her husband, Reverend David Brown, pastor the Refuge Church. That is a tremendous and growing church. They're doing so many great things there. And Sister Mandy Brown is also the assistant coordinator for MK Ministries, which is a very cool ministry, part of Global Missions, reaching out to missionary children. Sister Mandy Brown was here for our IBC Ladies Conference, and this message comes from what she preached in IBC Chapel. Let's get right to Sister Mandy Brown in IBC Chapel. I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord that just brings me comfort and peace, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to deliver. The word to you today. Um, my life verse, whenever I get the chance to share this, I take it. My life verse is Psalm 107 and 20. And it said, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destruction. And that, if there's ever been my testimony, that is it right there, that God sent his word and healed me. There is healing power in the word of God, and I am privileged to be able to deliver it to you today. So, we're going to get into that, if that's okay with you. I'm, I'm just, I'm in awe of you all. I have been so excited to be here because of you. Um, I want you to know, I think the world of you, for you being here, for you giving your life to the Lord, and you are one of my greatest hopes. I'm just, I'm proud of you for what it's worth. So thank you for letting me be here with you. I'm here with a lot of other people that I really love. Um, of course, I just want to mention a couple. Brother Sleva, it's good to be with you. Brother Sleva, a um, huge part of our life, he actually dedicated my baby girl to the Lord. I told him today, I don't know if it took, so he might need to come do it again. <laughs> but I think it's more about being 13 than anything else. Um, but we love Brother Sleva. Um, also, he gave me the best dating advice I've ever received, which I believe led to me being married to my husband today. So thank you for that, Brother Sleva. Um, so thankful. I know, right? You're all wondering what it is. You're going to have cor- is. They're all going to corner you to find out. They're all going to want to know. Um, but I'm thankful to be here. Um, I want to acknowledge, of course, your leadership. Love the Carsons. They've been dear friends of ours for many years. And the Galleons, you are so right. You said it so well. There are seasons when God brings people in your life, and it's like, where have you been all my life? Right, But it's the right time, and I am very thankful for my friendship with the Galleons. To my Illinois people, I know you're here. Love you guys. To my missionary kid friends, Caleb and Katie, I know you're here. There you are. There you are. Those are my people. I love them very much. Um, and so many of you I know. So thank you so much for letting me be here and let me be with some of my friends. That's how I feel today. Um, I want you to turn today in your Bibles to First Samuel 6, 7 through 14. So 1 Samuel 6. I would be um, mistaken if I did not acknowledge the fact and give honor to my husband. He's not here today. Um, And my kids, they allow me to sometimes be gone and they support me very much. I have a wonderful, loving, supporting husband who has allowed me to walk with him through ministry for these last almost 20 years um, who supports me? Who even today sent me messages of encouragement, believing that I have a word from the Lord, and I'm so thankful for that. So I give honor to Him. Um, when you get to First Samuel, you're going to find that we're going to be right in the middle of, this, of a story here. And in this story, the Philistines had taken the Ark of the Lord in battle, and since they had taken the Ark of the Lord, they'd been plagued with sickness, they'd been plagued with pestilence. Their false gods had been shamed just by being in the same room, and they were ready to get rid of this Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord they wanted to send it home. So I just want to set that up a minute as we read, um, starting in verse 7. Now, therefore, make a new cart. Take two milk cows, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version just because it gives us a little bit of a clearer picture. It says, which have been yoked and hitched the cows to the cart and take their calves home away from them. Then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart and put the articles of gold, which you are returning to him as trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go and watch. If it goes up the road to its own territory to Beth Shemesh, then he has done it, done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us, but it has happened by chance. And then the men did so. They took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their calves at home. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their tumors. Then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh, Beth Shemesh and went along the highway lowing as they went and did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Bethshemesh. Now, the people of Beshemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley, and they lifted their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Then the cart came into the field of Joshua of Beshemesh and stood there. A large stone was there, so they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. Would you pray for me for this word? The Lord would. He, Open our ears and fill my mouth with this word. Lord, we thank you so much that you are here with us. We thank you for your presence. And I pray, God, that you would speak to us through this word today. Let our hearts be ready to receive it. Let our ears be open to listen. Let it be something that we remember, oh God, that we don't just hear now but forget later, but that it would become a part of us remembering it, Lord, as is needed. I pray, fill my mouth with your words, Lord Jesus. Allow me to speak what it is that you want me to speak, oh God, and nothing more and nothing less. We glorify, and we lift you up, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You could be seated. I don't know if there's any of you in here who have a cattle farming background. Um, my guess would be it would be a very small percentage. I, my grandpa was a farmer, but that's about as much for me As it would be. But I want to give us a little bit of an idea of what maybe this story would have sounded and looked like. So I want to read a modern day article to you. And this is from the Newberry Port News. In October of 2013, the Newberry, Massachusetts police station received several calls from residents that were complaining of strange sounds coming from a nearby farm. Upon investigating, the police found the source of the noise, female dairy cows who were bellowing and crying after having been separated from their calves at the Sunshine Dairy Farm. In fact, the police received so many calls from concerned citizens that the sheriff issued a statement addressing the issue. We've been informed that the cows are not in distress and that the noises are a normal farm, a part of farming practices." Cody Carlson, no, this gets a little bit ridiculous, but, you know, go with me. Cody Carlson, who was an undercover investigator for the newspaper. (laughs) He recounted his time undercover at a dairy farm. (laughs) That's just funny, I know, right? He had seen calves taken from their mothers, and he said it was a heartbreaking experience that he witnessed. This was what he said. It's a tough experience for the mother cows. I saw a few return to the spot where they had given birth for days after and look in the direction where the calf was dragged off, bellowing helplessly. I'll never forget one that kept looking at the shed, then at me, and each time bellowing dramatically, dramatically at me in a way that seemed to say, Help! As ridiculous as this may seem, it's a little, gives us a little picture. It's a modern day picture of this test that the Philistines were putting God to in this passage in 1 Samuel. We see that these mama cows were yoked to this cart. Their babies were put in a pen. And the question is, will they do what is natural and return to their babies? What's the easiest thing for them? Or will they head the other direction? What will they do? Now, this may seem like a really obscure and strange Bible story, and it's probably not one that you heard in your nursery class or your primary class or your beginner class in Sunday school. But what happens here is that the cows were a part of a miracle. Something supernatural happened. The natural desire of these cows was ignored so that they could fulfill God's kingdom purpose in that moment. So the purpose in that moment was to get the presence of God back to his people, the presence and the power of the Lord. And it was against their own comfort. It was against what was natural to them that these cows went to deliver the ark of the Lord back to his people. So that's why you're here, right? You're here at Bible College. And whether you know it or not, there's going to be a time in ministry where You will be called to deliver the presence and the power of God that you have in you to people that need it, to people that are waiting for it, to teach them how. How can they get in the presence of God? How can they have the power of God working in them like you have in them? You've heard a, a calling, right? In a moment of prayer, in a moment of fervency, there was a yes, right? Or you just thought it would be fun and you would give it a year and see what happened. But even if that was the answer, somewhere in the midst, in these moments, in these times that you've had, when you've been learning the word of God, when you've been in his presence, there has been a yes moment for you. The yes has brought you here and that's as far as you've gotten, that's as much as you know, and that's good. You're following after that peace that you felt when you said yes to the unknown. And for those cows that walked from Ekron to Beth Shemesh, it was about a 30-mile journey. I don't know at what point, at how many miles away they were, that they could no longer hear their young. But I'm certain that even when the cry was gone, their natural instinct was just as real to turn around and go back to their home, go back to what was comfortable, to go back to Ekron. I find it very interesting that the name of that city that they traveled from, that they left from, the name of that city that was their jumping off point, Ekron, literally means uprooted. What a better description to give from someone who's leaving what's natural and leaving what's comfortable. Did you feel that a little bit when you left home to come here? A little bit of uprooting? Did it feel a little bit uncomfortable? There was an uprooting that was happening? They left Ekron. They were uprooted to go to Beth Shemesh. To leave home. Leaving comfort, leaving ease, leaving what was naturally the easiest thing. To follow the spirit of the Lord that now is leading you into the uncomfortable. To follow the peace you feel when you're fulfilling his will. Have you ever, have you ever been in the moment where you are fulfilling the will of God for your life in that moment, you are leading worship, you are giving a testimony, you are reading a scripture, you're talking to somebody that doesn't know about the Lord, and the peace that you feel, this is my place. My daughter is is 13 years old, and she's just started being used on the praise team. Um, And last Sunday, she She sang uh, by herself for the first time in a small part of the song. And the whole time she was singing, um, I was just praying, God, let her feel that purpose Let her feel that peace. Let her feel that presence when she finds the place that she's supposed to be and the things that she's supposed to be doing for you. There is a peace in that. Even in the things that you don't want to do and even in the places that you don't want to go, there is a peace when you follow after the will of God and the purpose for God in your life. And you have to dwell in that peace. You have to be in that place. You have to be willing to go to that place, whatever it is that you know is your purpose and your calling. You are on a journey where there are people who have not had the presence of the Lord in their lives. That's hard to imagine. How many of you in here have been raised in the church? Can you ever imagine a time when you, it's hard for us that have been raised in the church, where we come to a place where we're like, this is the presence of the Lord, I've never felt this before. There's a little part of me that sometimes is envious for somebody who experiences it for the first time as a teenager or as an adult to go from that incredible darkness into this amazing light and the presence of the Lord. There are so many people who have never felt the presence of God, they have never experienced the power of God, and we have been called to take the presence of the Lord to them, to help them experience the power and the presence of the Lord, and they are waiting, they are waiting for you to forsake what would come so naturally to you, what would be so comfortable to you, and walk into the work of the Lord has for you. to walk into something that maybe is supernatural. When those cows made it to Beth Shemesh, and this is where it gets tough. I know, the uprooted part was tough, right? But they make it to Beth Shemesh, and the people are so excited to see them. They're so thrilled to see the presence of God, to see the Ark of the Covenant, and they're so grateful that they offer the cows as a burnt offering. It may be a bad time to tell you, maybe you haven't figured it out, but in this illustration, you and me are the cows. We're the cows. Is there a picture of some cows? Can you show that? I don't know if, there we go, that's us. We are the means by which people will receive him and rejoice when they receive him and where we become a living sacrifice. We're the cows. Can I tell you that the most freeing moment in my life is when I studied out and embraced this scripture Romans 12, one and two, and I'm sure you know it. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It was at a critical moment in my life that I was seeking transformation, I, I needed God to transform my life, and it was when that I understood that it only came after I became a living sacrifice, that I could step into that promise of transformation, renewal of mind, and my life was changed forever. I would like to say that that happened uh, right here at IBC, but unfortunately it took a little bit longer for me. I guess I was stubborn. But when I understood that I needed to be a living sacrifice. And we have to understand that we have not put, been put here. We have not been purposed here on this earth for self gratification, but for our King's gratification. We are a living sacrifice, a continual offering to Him. And that is what our life gets to be a continual offering to him. And it may mean that we don't end up where we thought we would. And it may mean that we're kind of uncomfortable and lonely sometimes. And it may mean that our future is different than our original dream. And it may mean that I am pushing myself beyond the limits of what comes naturally to me and tapping into the supernatural power of the Lord. But that is his will fulfilled through me. Can I tell you every day that I step into ministry, it is a supernatural thing because I'm telling you right now that in me naturally, there is nothing good to be used of the Lord. But when I step into what he has for me, I become a supernatural miracle of working in the Lord and doing what he's called me to do. We think about that sometimes. We want to see the supernatural. You want to lay hands on people and they stand up from wheelchairs or they rise from the dead. But every time you step into a place that is outside of your natural ability or the thing that you know that you're good at, something supernatural is happening and you're allowing God's strength to be made perfect in your weakness. When I left IBC, I didn't want to go somewhere away from my family from my wonderful church, I thought I come here, I'll go back home, right? Or I thought, and my missionary kid friends will understand this, I thought I'll go be a missionary. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to do. I did not want to go to a different church. I didn't want to go to a different district. I didn't want to go to a place where I had no friends, where no relatives would be there. I did not want to sacrifice certain comforts that I had been used to to go to a city that I had never heard of and dig out a church in an economically challenged area. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know people lived that way. But they do. Of course, God had greater plans than my own. And it was a plan that included putting on a yoke and carrying a load down an unfamiliar road. That, that picture of the cows, they're in a yoke, yoked together. There was a yoke on them, a big wooden bar connecting them to one another and to the cart that carried the ark of the Lord. And your yoke might lead you on a very different journey than me, but let me tell you, that it is a wonderful life living for Jesus, and it comes with a yoke. Right. It right. and that might be, seem contradictory to you, but it is not. Because as ministers, we are here to answer the prayer request of Jesus Christ that is found in Matthew 9, 36 and 38. It says this, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. When prayer request was taken, Taken up among the disciples in Jesus. Jesus said, I have one. I pray that laborers would be sent into the harvest. And here you are, the answered prayer request of Jesus Christ. We are called to labor for him. We are called to go work in the harvest. We are called to do hard things. It has been 19 years. And I'll I'll tell you right now, I'm going to share some personal things I don't know anything different than how the Lord has worked through us. And so maybe it will help somebody in this room. But it's been 19 years since I drove away from Indianapolis to labor in the harvest of Rock Island, Illinois. In some years, the crops were good. In some years, the crops were bad. And some seasons were full of sun and full of plenty. and other seasons, they were flooded, they were dreary, and they were fruitless all at the same time. But we answered the call to labor, which by definition is work. I don't know, everybody knew that, right? It's work. Want to be involved in the kingdom? It will be work. But it is the most satisfying work on the planet. And I have found comfort. In some other words of Jesus, in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am weak and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. I read this scripture for years trying to figure out what in the world is the yoke of Jesus. I want to have it, he says, it's an easy one, he says, it's a good one. I want to have the yoke of Jesus. It's gonna give me rest. I'm a laborer. I'm heavy laden. What is it? How do I put it on? What do I do to wear this yoke? There it is again, the yoke. Lord, what is your lo- yoke? What, the scripture says, learn of me. What am I to learn of you, Lord? Where do I find rest? Let me tell you, you will ask yourself that question at some point. Where do I find rest? Can I paint you a picture of the yoke of Jesus? Luke fifteen four through six says this. What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Can you put that picture up of the shepherd for me? Verse five says this. Which when he hath found it, He layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And there, in that word picture, laying across the neck of the good shepherd is his yoke. It is the sheep we are called to labor for, the harvest that is plenteous. What a picture we get here. It doesn't always come natural to take this yoke and to walk away from things that seem easy but it is always rewarding. And I want you to know that it is not a yoke that is waiting for you to graduate. Or do your time here so that you can emerge into the real world of ministry. Ministry, labor, his yoke is ready for you now. And this is where I'll get a little personal my second year here at IBC, I had begun dating my husband, who I would I would marry him a year later. He was so much more involved in ministry than me. I should have been ashamed, but I was just excited to be dating him. And if he was gonna go do something, I was gonna go do it too. And I would call it a date, even if he called it door knocking. This is a raw truth, folks. (laughs) So we somehow got connected with a group of people in some low-income apartments on the east side. It was rough. It was so rough that when we pulled up to get into these apartments, we had to show our driver's license so that they'd know we weren't on a banned list and couldn't enter. I watched people get in trunks and go through those gates or climb over trash cans to get over. It was rough. If my parents had known I was going there, they probably would have been mad at me. Yes, that's right. Don't tell them. But we went and we passed out bread and we began to realize that these people were much more hungry for something other than bread. And so we had our first Bible study. It was really the first Bible study that either one of us had ever taught, unfortunately. We had it with Mike and his girlfriend. Mike had just gotten out of prison. He was pretty scary. He actually looked just like Mike Tyson. Really. But I'm pretty sure we were more scared of the fact that we had never taught a Bible study. And here we were in Mike's dining room teaching him a Bible study. We found an into his marvelous light Bible study and David sat down and with Mike at the dining table and I watched all the children who knows who they belong to in this back room. And they read the Bible study together. I don't think my husband taught it. I don't think he knew how. He just read it. From there, we went on to reach out to his neighbor, neighbor Sharon. We taught her a Bible study. Sharon was about seven feet tall. I'm not exaggerating. She was so tall. And I will never forget bringing Sharon to Calvary on a Sunday night. And my husband, not at the time, my boyfriend at the time, who's not a very tall man, getting up on the pew and laying hands on her because that's the only way he could reach. (laughs) But Sharon received the Holy Ghost that night, and she was baptized in Jesus' name right there at Calvary. It was from that same neighborhood that about seven people were baptized in the name of Jesus at Calvary Tabernacle that year. It was there that we met Corey and his sister, and brought them to Sunday school at Calvary. And I I mean, we'd bring these kids in, and they would sit on the front rows with their Coca Colas. I remember hearing I'm like, "Oh." But I'll never forget Corey on Easter Sunday. I don't know if they still do the Easter egg thing at Calvary, where they go up and they get an. They used to do. They had this huge basket. And every kid would get an Easter egg. And each Easter egg had like a treat or it had uh, money or something like that. And so Corey and his sister, uh, they got to go through the line that day because they were at church. So I see Corey. I'm like, hey, Corey. You know, I'm so excited. He's getting his Easter egg. A few minutes later, here comes Corey again. He gets his Easter egg. A few minutes later, here comes Corey again. (laughs) I don't know how many times Corey went through that line to get an Easter egg. But every time he was like... There's no shame in his game. (laughs) But several years after we left, um, we came back to the event. that was done at the circle where the choir sings and we were out there and there was Corey. Remembered us. Hey, David. Hey, Mandy. Not going to church, but he had heard that the church that he used to go to was having this event at the circle and he wanted to go see it. I don't know where he's at now, but I know that a seed was planted. When we started bringing this people, we would recruit our friends to go with us because we didn't have enough seats to bring people that wanted to come. At some point, we eventually started using the Calvary Church van, which meant that we had to use the time between church letting out and curfew to transport people home instead of for fellowship. And I... I don't, this is not about us. This is just my life experience and the result of it. So you take it for what it is. If anything, I want you to understand this, that we are so much of nothing that if God can use David and Mandy Brown to do anything for him, he can use you. I mean, I was just there for the date. (laughs) It became a little more than that. Don't, Don't be too worried. But there were things that we were comfortable with. There were things that we were settled in. That we had to be okay with sacrificing. To be involved in kingdom work. And and it really was just the beginning for us. Those decisions that we made here laid the path for what would later be where we are now. In Rock Island, Illinois. What we did here, the friends that we made here, the decisions that we made here, they matter. It was right after that time or during that time and that work that we were doing here that we got a phone call that asked, the, well, my husband did, we weren't engaged. In fact, I don't even know if we were dating at the time, who knows. You know how IBC relationships are. They're just up and down. It's still the same, right? Okay, yeah. (laughs) But he got a call to start a church, a daughter work in Rock Island, Illinois. And we... I guess we talked about it, not as though we were going there, but just what are we gonna? You know, will I go? I'm just gonna go home. Both of us were like, "Well, I'm just gonna go to my home church. You go to your home church. They need help there. We can live with our parents. It's gonna be great. They're gonna pay for my gas and my car insurance and my phone bill. It'd be great. Or we could go start a church. That'd be hard." Thank God that we had godly pastors in our lives (laughs) that helped us out a little bit by saying, you know what, this is probably a pretty good opportunity. So six months after my husband went to Rock Island, I was 20 years old, and the moment that I said I do, I became a pastor's wife to about six interesting or weird adults and 30 crazy kids. Right? and 19 years later I will echo the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 2:19 19-20 he said this for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming for ye are our glory and our joy I will tell you that this life of ministry has not been my natural inclination. It has not come without the price of being a living sacrifice. But oh, what a joy to be yoked together with Jesus, to feed his sheep, to see a lost lamb found. My joy has not been found on a platform or in a position or at an event or with other ministry friends. My joy has been found in Andy and Chris Cheek, in Jakara Walker, in Bill and Pam Hoyer, and in Ariana Harvey. And you don't know these people, and these names don't mean anything to you, but they have been my Beth Shemesh. They were where the Lord led me. They have been worth being a living sacrifice. And you may not know it yet exactly what the direction of your life will take. Maybe you'll be a pastor or a worship leader or a teacher. But I am certain that you are called to put on the yoke of Jesus. And it's not a call for later. It's a call for now. And when the time comes, when you leave this place of learning and preparation for the last time as a student... It's not going to be about choosing what is good and what is bad. And this is how our pastor, Pastor Brent Brosom, I know some of his people are here today and He's our pastor, and he says this to us. He says, you reach a point in your life as you spiritually mature where the most difficult question that you face is no longer deciding between doing what is good or evil, but between doing what is good and doing what is best. So don't let the good rob you from what is best for your life and for the kingdom of God. Can you stand with me? I'm coming to a close, but... I want you to know that what is best may not be what you expect right now. It may not be the comfort of home. It may not be the familiar. It may feel unnatural, uncomfortable. For some of you, you're like, listen, I already did this. I came here. I'm here. Isn't that enough? I said, yes. Let your life be a series of yeses to what the Lord has for you, to his best. I will tell you that right now, and maybe I'm wrong, but from what I remember, it was in altar calls. It was at conferences. It was at camps and conventions. It was in those moments at the altar when I received direction for my life, when I heard from the Lord seemed like the clearest voices. I was away from home and from all of the things that might distract me. I was engrossed in spiritual things, right? In those highs. Youth Congress. All those things. But as you move forward, as you go down this road, something is going to happen. Your strongest moments with the Lord, the times that you hear the most from him, will be the times when it's just you and him. When you're yoked together with him and you're following after his peace and you're following after his will. And maybe you'll long for the cry of that altar call, for the cry of that time when all of your friends were around and your parents were there paying for everything or just telling you you can do it. Or familiar, your room, your house, But God is calling you to something greater. He's calling you to the best. And maybe that is your best. Maybe that's what he has for you. But maybe it's something different than you expect. So all I'm asking here today is that if you are willing to take those steps to be uprooted so that you can carry the presence of God to those who have never experienced it, who have never had what you have, If you would just step out right now with hands lifted and tell the Lord, God, I want to walk in this supernatural every single day. I want to be on this path. I want to be yoked together with you, Jesus. Lord, I want you to show me. I want you to take me into a deeper relationship with you, oh God. Take me into a deeper place with you, oh God. Oh, Lord, I have felt you calling me. I have felt you calling me to something unexpected, Jesus. I have felt you leading me, Lord, to something that I didn't know would be the case, Lord Jesus. I didn't know I was going to have to do this. I didn't know I was going to have to go there, God. But I'm willing to be a living sacrifice, Lord Jesus. I'm willing to follow after your peace. I'm willing to follow after your purpose, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, oh God, I'm here, Lord Jesus. I want to say yes to the best that you have for me, God. I know there's good things. I know that I could go work for you anywhere. I know that I could follow after your calling, that there's lost people anywhere that I go. But God, I want to be in your purpose for my life. I want to be in your will for my life. I want to be in what's best, oh God, for me. Lord, open my ears to hear the cry of the laws that have never felt your presence, Lord God, to put the cries of my past behind me so that I can move forward into what you have for me. God, I'm willing. I'm willing to be a living sacrifice. I'm willing, oh God, to give you all of me, Jesus. I pray over these students right now, oh God. Touch their minds, Lord Jesus. Lord, the clutter, the things that would like to come in and distract them, oh Lord, allow them to give you those things today. Oh, you are so so good, Jesus. You are so wonderful, God. You are so mighty, Jesus. I say yes to you, Lord. I say yes to you, Lord. I'll follow after you, Lord. I'll do whatever you want me to. Teach me your ways, God. Put your yoke on my life, Lord God. You are so good, Jesus. You are so good, Jesus. Hallelujah. I will be what you call to